right, welcome to another episode of The Light Bulb Factory, conversation centered on the church becoming the light of the world. Uh, we are back after a long hiatus, and we have a series of discussion episodes that we're going to start today. And I have a new co-host to introduce to you, my friend Clay Dominey. Clay, how you doing, man? Good morning, FBC Waco, or afternoon, or whenever you're listening. I'm happy to be here. Is this going to be like your new trademark, you know? I think it just might be. I'm, I'm trying to unlock my inner Robin Williams. <laughs> Very good. Well, I've got mine. You can have yours, and that'll, that'll, that'll be fun. We'll just compete for, uh, compete for it. So Fantastic. We thought we would start off this, uh, this, this episode with a little banter. Uh, Clay does something for us on Sundays uh, called Real Talk with Clay. Uh, where he give, tell us what you do at Real Talk, yeah. All right, so Real Talk is kind of like an updated version of the icebreaker. Everyone's had icebreakers in their life; they get kind of boring. I'm a man with spicy opinions. I like giving spicy takes. So I like to offer those up every Sunday for people to discuss, debate, tell me I'm wrong, or tell me you know what, Clay, you're right, and I'm glad somebody finally said it. This week's, I'm pretty happy with it. It was Star Wars is overrated, and I stand uh, by that opinion wholeheartedly. Oh man, that is that is brutal. I uh, I'm one who's largely going to disagree with you here on that one. Um, you know, it's uh, Star Star Wars was like my childhood. Grew up with the old movies, you know, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And I know you're you're all like, yeah, that's probably the end of and the end of it. The rest of it was no good. That's kind of what you would say, right? <clears throat> I would say, yeah, absolutely. I would definitely say that. But I'd also say, I mean. If we're looking at this in the clear, sober light of day, the sober original light. movies, the original movies weren't that great either. Like, oh, like, now, now no, it's blasphemy. It's, oh no, it's, no. Not, it's totally true. Like we, I know we all love them; they're dear to our heart. But Luke is a crybaby, and Han Solo is the same as every other Harrison Ford character. Now that is true. I won't disagree with you there. Uh, I was in a circle on Sunday where people. Uh, it was interesting. Some good nuance. They said uh, now. Um, Overrated means simply that people think too highly of it. Uh, it's not that so we're not saying Star Wars movies are bad. At least they were making this case, just that they're overrated, and they could get behind that, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I like that nuance. I mean, the 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 expectation is sky high. Absolutely. Best movie like you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. And so I mean, it's not hard for that to be overrated. Right. And I mean, you look at things like um, <clears throat> Empire Strikes Back. That's a good movie, objectively yeah. speaking. It's not a great movie. Yeah. And I mean, I uh, here's a, here's another hotter take. Mandalorian is a good TV series, but it could be so much better. That's my problem with Star Wars is it's always underwhelming. It's like it's like you know bad Tex-Mex. Like yeah, it's Tex-Mex, and you're happy you had it, but at the end of the day, you, you're just you, something's lacking. They didn't put enough chili in there, or the queso was just you know too liquidy. Whatever oh, it is, queso is you know? great. Oh, but well, okay. So here's my hot take in response to yours then. Christmas is I'm, overrated. Oh no, I uh, I think I'll I'll I'll, yeah, I'll hop on board with that. Oh, I think okay. Christmas is overrated. Okay. I, I mean, okay, like great holiday, Christ right. coming into the world. Right. We Love need it. it. Yeah. yeah, we need it. But like by the time December twenty fifth actually rolls around, I need to wet my palate with something else. You know. <laughs> well, I I just think you know I mean it's it's funny because Easter's really the big holiday, right? Exactly, can we can yeah. we get around that? And mm-hmm. yet. You know, it barely is a blip on the radar in ter- as compared to Christmas in terms of all the buildup and the hype and everything. So I'm going with this whole Star Wars thing. Like to say it's overrated doesn't mean it's bad or we should stop doing it. No, like yeah, you know, yeah. Jesus came into the world. I'm thankful. Yeah, pretty, but, pretty massive holiday. But but is it overrated? 
in the sense that should it really be getting more hype than Easter, I you know I think there's yeah. a case to be made. So. I have to agree with you there. Okay, well, good. You're going to make a good co-host. Co-host, already agreeing <laughs> with me. That's that's what we need. Uh, well, okay, we have uh, belabored too long, too long, so we need to tell you what we're doing here in this uh, this podcast episode. We are going to get back in the rhythm of doing this weekly, and Clay and I will bring uh, some other friends along for the ride in future weeks. But today we wanted to sort of introduce the series that we're going to be doing over this uh, semester, and it's based on what we're uh, we're doing in Sunday mornings uh, at College Hour here at FPC Waco. If you're a student in town, come join us at nine. But basically, we are talking about um, a rule of life and uh, the value of having one, and we're going to introduce later in this episode to you the specifics of the one that that we are advocating for. So, uh, so Clay, what what is a rule of life? Can you give us a little overview of like what's what's the whole deal? Yeah, broadly speaking, a rule of life is a set of habits that form who we are, yep. and that can be good or bad. The important thing to consider here is that everybody already has a rule of life. If you have habits that you do on a consistent basis, that has and kind you of, do and you and you do like that's and everybody has habits. Those kind of govern your actions going forward. Right. It has become your rule of life. And the important thing to consider is, are you going to take advantage of your rule of life and let it fo- and form it as much as it has formed you? Right. Are you going to be intentional about the way that you're being formed? One of the things I think we've ignored in the church um, in, in, you know, uh, I don't know, our lifetime or something, is that uh, we are being formed all the time, that uh, formation is not just something that happens at church, that, that we're being formed throughout our life every day. The places we go, the things we see, we watch, we give our attention to. Uh, we know all the things now about, you know, Facebook and media and advertising and how they're shaping and forming us. We are being formed all the time, and so the question is: um, Are you going to be in charge of your own formation, or are you going to delegate that out to somebody else? You know, even accidentally and subconsciously, just by kind of drifting through uh, through your life. So one thing that um, that some of us did over the Christmas break is we read this book um, that I'll get into a little more later called The Common Rule by Justin Whitmill Early, uh, The Common Rule, Habits of Purpose for an Age of Distraction. And uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting that he talks about in his introductory is he, he talks about how um, every, every habit or practice, we'll kind of use those words interchangeably, every, every habit has a belief behind it. And I think he provides some really good um, examples in a table here. So, um, so he these are just ordinary everyday habits. Okay, so the ha- here's here's one: um, wake up exhausted again because I never get to bed on time. And what he's claiming is there's a belief behind that habit. And he says the belief is uh, I am not a creature; I am infinite. My body will be fine. I am a god. Now, obviously, no one like actually thinks that, and no one consciously kind of thinks through that, but. The practice that you're doing, as in you're never getting to bed on time and you're waking up exhausted, presumes that belief. It implies that belief that we don't have limits, um, that my body will be fine no matter what, and so therefore uh, there's a belief behind the practice. And um, I think that's helpful. Is that is that helpful for you to think about? Absolutely, absolutely. I think I'm like I'm looking at my own life, and before I started thinking about and ideas such as a rule of life, seriously, one of the habits that you know. I had was, you know, or a hypothetical habit, I should say, is watching, <laughs> uh, you know, three hours of Friends daily or three hours of Seinfeld daily. Not that anyone would do that, of course. I'd know. watch Seinfeld three hours daily at least. <laughs> 
but yeah, there, the belief system behind that is, is that I can, or at least for me, whether I was willing to accept it or not, was that I can, I am just a consumer. I can just veg out for 10 hours and this is a healthy practice for me. And it, yeah. it really wasn't. It's not what I was created to do. Right. Yeah. And that's so interesting. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, I think it's important to remember that uh, all of us are theologians. Uh, theologian Theology is not something that, uh, you know, brainy people do um, in the academy, that just by living your everyday life, that you are uh, assuming certain beliefs about the world and about um, how to live in it. So the example you just provided of, you know, uh, tons of, of, you know, Netflix or whatever, and how the belief is that I'm a consumer. So there's a belief that's held about what it is to be human, you know, mm-hmm. To be human is 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 to is to consume, and we will be happy and more joyful when we consume. You know, absolutely. Yeah. I I would say that is um, that's probably the anthropology, the belief about what it means to be human. We see right. in America today. That's propagated by companies, businesses, Netflix, Instagram, Facebook, um, telling you that to be human is to buy more things, to consume this media, to watch this latest TV show. And that's kind of one thing that rules of habits do is they tell us is that directs us to an end of what it means to live the happy life, whether or not we acknowledge it. Yeah. Yeah. And so the danger, I think, is that uh, a belief like that, I'm a consumer that just kind of happens naturally by going through the daily flow of life uh, is 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 opposed to certain beliefs that that, you know, that scripture sort of calls us to believe about ourselves about what it is to be human. Um, and so as we read the story of scripture, uh, we're not described as as consumers. We're uh, we're described as creators. That you know, God made us in His image. He um, He created us to co-rule with Him over creation. We read that even in the beginning in Genesis one, and we're to be uh, involved in taking care of His creation and serving it and harnessing its uh, potential and turning it into things that are good and beautiful. And so, to uh, the the accidental belief, implicit belief of being a consumer can be intention of that because. You know, we're we're ceasing to live into our God-given calling. You know, when we just think of ourselves as like you know uh, a dispenser of you know entertainment and and pleasure. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So one other, just to kind of drive this home, one other example he gives in this uh, this table is uh, I think may relate. He says the habit is grab breakfast on the go while everyone else in my family scrambles to get somewhere late. And at the office, eat lunch at my desk. So just kind of picture like general busyness, just on the go. Food becomes just something I have to do to fuel my body, you know, in order to, to get stuff done. Uh, and the belief, he says, behind that is uh, being being too busy is normal, maybe even desirable. Um, I'm important if a lot of people want my time. And to stay important, I need to stay busy. And that means being late all the time. Um, that's convicting, you know, I think, uh, I'm somebody who is often running like a minute behind, you know, and, um, and I think there's certainly sometimes a belief that I'm important there, you know, and I think the, the, the takeaway from this, um, this practice for us can really be pay attention to your habits, um, even small ones like the ones we're describing and try to uncover, like, what are the beliefs, uh, even if you're not consciously thinking of the beliefs that are behind those practices. And you may actually learn a whole lot about, about yourself and your life. This idea isn't a new idea. This is something that actually has its root in ancient philosophy. And all our STEM majors out there, please just bear with me. I promise this is really cool information. Um, 
but this kind of has its root in Aristotle's Nicomachean ethics uh, of what it, when Aristotle asks, what does it mean not only to be human, but what does it mean to be a good human? And when talking about that, he notes that our habits, what we do actually informs who we are. Like it's not, I can speak talking about virtues. It's not possible to be a courageous person if you don't do courageous things because being a virtuous person is, according to Aristotle, would be the end goal of humanity. That's an important thing to think about with our habits that as a character forming ideas is they're always directing us to a certain end. We're always becoming something by what we do. Are we becoming people who, um, who binge Netflix three times daily, who consume the latest things that we have to buy or consume, or are we becoming creators or becoming people who are formed to be receptive to God's love and to act on it in, in his world and to join with him in what he's doing. Um, it's a very fascinating idea. Yeah, and so we're the idea that the habits are forming us, that we're becoming somebody through even mundane practices, and I don't think that we think about that consciously. Um, but, uh, but it's true, and when our, and, you know, with some of the practices we'll get into a little bit, when we, uh, with, because they orient us around God and his presence in our life, his reality, um, then we're able to live out a truer version of, of the world. Um, and a truer vision of reality when we live into the practices uh, of the kingdom. You know, one thing that I thought of as you were talking uh, just then about virtue is how um, I think in in Christian life we have this kind of dichotomy between belief and practice mm -hmm. and how, um, uh, think of it like this, you know, if you are somebody who's not, uh, not a believer, you don't really care about the Christian life or faith, um, you could usually, most people could generally care less about like doctrinal statements. Okay. I always think it's interesting when you go to church's website and they post the, what we believe statement, uh, and think who are the, who's the target audience for this? Um, it's, it's Christians who are looking for a church and trying to decide if this doctrinal statement lines up with them or not. The people who, um, you know, are not affiliated with the church, they don't care about your doctrinal statement, except for maybe like one or two select kind of, you know, uh, pet things that they really care about. So um, what, as we think about our witness to the wider world and to those in the culture who are watching us, you know, um, that practice is what is being paid attention to. Um, often belief by itself is hollow. And so, um, you know, in terms of how we go about describing Christology or the claims of, you know, the Trinity or, you know, even things about, you know, salvation and, and things like that, um, if we, if there's not practices that are connected and associated with those things, then those beliefs are going to become irrelevant and feel like who really cares to kind of the outside world. But when beliefs translate into practices that are tangible and can be seen and create a public witness for the church, then um, the church comes to life. It's a way of life together that can be seen in the world and um, people start to notice. So, for example, you know, one of big doctrine in the church is just the forgiveness that's available to us through Christ and how uh, we can repent of our sin and find new life in, in Jesus through his cross. Um, important belief to our faith. But uh, that belief can only be made sense, uh, can only make sense to the world if it's attached to a practice of giving and receiving forgiveness. And so what matters more, more so is that, um, is that within the community of the church that we are... Um, forgiving one another when we wrong one another, 
um, and that when we hold grudges against others, that we're encouraging one another to let those go and to, and to receive God's forgiveness into our life. And so that's the practice that's attached to the belief. And um, uh, unless the world is able to see that practice, that they're not really going to care too much about the belief. The belief makes it, the, right, the practice makes it tangible, and it, makes, um, it creates a way of life that becomes available to the world. Um, so anyway, that's one way I think about this. Yeah, there's a nascent belief in everything we do, which is what exactly. we've been talking about. Like if you're a person who is unwilling to forgive someone who's wronged you, that says, well, no, there are some unforgivable sins. Yeah. And that's not the case. You yeah. Know? And so, yeah. That's a, that's a great way of putting it, yeah. So we're talking very abstractly about this, and uh, if it's all, uh, if if you need it to become concrete, no worries, we're getting there. So Clay, uh, what has been your experience with a rule of life? Uh, What does that look like for you? Well, right now I am actually working on developing a rule of life for my own my own practice, Um, and I'm thinking about what I want that to look like. I wrote one about a week ago, and I looked at it. I'm like, well, this is this is good. They're all good things on here, but it looked more like a schedule um which like i said it's okay but uh because one important thing to note about our habits is that they take place in time we do definitely live in time and a rule of life is meant to help us live and develop habits and live into the limits that time puts on us there are only 24 hours a day and i'm not going to be awake for all 24 of them so what can i do in the time allotted to grow and to be formed and i started looking at this from a different example I thought, um, how do I want to be formed um, to the end where I can be receptive to God's love and to love him and in so doing, love those around me better? Because that's really what a rule of life ought to be, ought to shape us towards. And it's kind of ironic. The first thing I put on there was um, invest in like in a sourdough starter, like make mm. sourdough from scratch each morning. <laughs> Because I think that going to work and creating something with our hands, like getting is kind of an acknowledgement that the, God created a physical world and invites us to create alongside him and to make mm. good things. I like to think of my sourdough starter uh, that I've got brewing at home as uh, my quiet rebellion against consumerism in America. I love that. Um, yes. But there are also other things that I have on there, things like um, things like pray three times a day and specifically morning afternoon and evening because like i said a rule of life helps us to live into the limitations of the day it reminds us that we are not god and we cannot do everything and be everything and that we need to like remind be reminded that okay i have to sleep it's nighttime i'm going to go to bed it's morning i'm going to get out of bed and not lay here for two hours not that i've ever done that um never yeah, never. And I think that starting and the type of prayers you pray into the day helps, I think, helps you um, be receptive to God's will at a spe- this, those specific moments in your life. Like praying in the morning, thanking God that you have a new day and asking for his help throughout the day. Um, and ad- I think the afternoon prayer is uh, probably one of the most important because I don't know if anyone else has felt this in their life, but around the afternoon is probably when you're most exhausted. The uh, like all those high hopes you had for the day at morning are kind of gone and you've realized like, oh man, this big assignment that I wanted to get uh, done 
it's not going to get done today or you wanted to go on a run in the morning or work out at the gym and you you didn't do that and that's okay because you can't do everything and i think it helps helps you draw strength from god praying for him and saying yeah. humbly saying like i can't do all of these things um help me do what i can do and be okay with that yeah and so what i hear you yeah. saying is like uh you know you choose a practice like pray three times a day because of you're thinking it forward to how is it going to form me and the way it's going to form you for example would be right um that it's it's helping you realize your connection with God throughout the day, mm-hmm. um, and His presence with you in your life, and it's creating kind of a dependency upon Him, and that's uh, that's ultimately f- helping form you in the direction that, of course, we think God wants us to be formed. So that's a great example. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, um, you know, the first time I ever had to do a rule of life, it was like sort of this like group project sort of thing where I got introduced to me, and I kind of, I kind of thought it was stupid, <laughs> um, and so like there were some categories that we were given, and. Um, I don't even remember what they were, but I, I just very distinctly remember that um, that I, you know, it was this is kind of my rebellion against the rule of life. I put down um, at uh, on one of them that I was going to smile at cats. <laughs> and I don't know; it was just weird, and I got laughs out of the people in my group, and so I felt like you know about um, vindicated at that time. But I was kind of just like, this is stupid, you know, and I'm just getting through the motions of it. But over time, I really, uh, you know. By smiling at lots of cats, I've been formed to love animals. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, but over time, I've really become to uh, appreciate like what this is. And there have been times in my life where it has been so much more than, like you said, time management or a schedule. But it's been uh, a way for me to like just kind of recognize my priorities in a particular season of what I want to be focused on and um, and how... Uh, and what has to come off the plate because it's not the top priority. Um, now, I will say that in this particular season, we're doing something a little bit different at FPC, is that we've been through seasons where we uh, encourage people to fill out personal rule of lives, and, and I, I still would. I think that's wonderful. But um, we are now uh, moving kind of towards a communal rule of life. And the idea here is that basically... Um, rather than everybody kind of starting with a blank sheet of paper and you make your own, you cater it to yourself, that we're trying to create something that collectively we can surround ourselves, uh, that we can we can uh, get our, get ourselves around, um, that would help form us all together in the same practices in the same way, uh, so that we can create sort of a culture and dynamic among our group that uh, is has values kind of baked in. Um, because we want to be this kind of community, and so we think we need these kinds of practices to help get us there. Um, and so uh, I'm kind of excited about this idea of a communal rule of life. So, Absolutely. I, I mean, communal rules, rules of life have been integral to the life of the church for centuries, millennia, right. really. I mean, we the rules of life, some famous ones that we know of are like the rule of St. Augustine or the rule of St. Benedict, which we don't intend on practicing those because those are meant for monastic communities. Right, right. Um, but the end goal is always the same. It's to pay attention to your habits and see right. are they disposing you towards um, like love of self or love of God. And the end goal is always to grow more more in your love for God. And that's done best in a community like the church. Right. And it's not either to be legalistic, mm-hmm. to create guilt out of a to-do list, um, but it does acknowledge that Without practice, we can't really grow in our faith, and we can't really grow into the love that God has for us. We know that faith without deeds is dead, and so we're going ahead and, and naming the things and the ways that we need to be uh, working out our faith so that we can we can be growing in it. 
Uh, and as Paul says in Philippians 3, to work out our, our salvation with fear and trembling. And so um, it's, a, it's a helpful framework to do that. So, um, Clay, we read this book by Justin Early called The Common Rule, and he has um, some, some interesting things that he, he does here. What, what was your take on kind of his rule of life and how he's, um, how he's structured or organized it? What did you think about it? I loved Early's rule of life. I think he has great practices, and they're not, they're not burdensome, but they do require effort and intention on our part if we want to really live them out. Um, there are things that he does weekly and he things that he does daily, which I think is a really helpful way of looking at it, knowing that, I mean, we do live into a rhythm of life that happens, you know, 24 hours a day. There are seven days of a week and help us to live into the time allotted to us. Um, but specifically, some of his practices that I thought were phenomenal were something like um, eating a meal together daily with other people. And the practice, the thought behind that is eating a meal by ourselves tells us that we are people who are that f- that food is just fuel and that we're not we can we, we can eat alone we're meant to be alone but eating food together tells us that food is something very important to us because it's a good part of God's creation and that eating together tells us we're people who designed for community with one another um, and there's no I mean that's just that's just the basic human anthropology is that we were meant right. for life with Absolutely. one another and life with God. And eating a meal at a table, I think, is the probably one of the one of the greatest symbols of that truth. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, early has like basically four daily habits and four weekly habits. That this is kind of how he organizes his book. And we um, we so we read through this and one thing that really stuck out was the measurability to me of these of these habits. So let me just read a few of these. Like uh, Clay mentioned, one, uh, you know, day, these are daily habits. One meal with others, uh, kneeling prayer three times a day, one hour with your phone off. So in those three examples, uh, right there, it's very obvious at the end of the day whether you did that or not. You know, yeah. um, and I think that's important to rule of life is you're not wanting to be so abstract as to be like, be more grateful. Yeah. You know, because like, how at the end of the day am I going to really know? Like, you know, was I'm a grateful grateful today? Like, yeah, I th- I think I kind of was. Like, I, I've I been smiled. More grateful, I guess. Smiled so. at some cats, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thankful that they were there, you know. Uh, but but the measurability of it is is helpful, um, because it actually sets out a particular goal, um, that we can we can try to to work toward. So that was something we did in in forming our own rule of life. Was we said, let's try as much as we can to have things that are, uh, are measurable. Um, and, uh, and so after, after kind of going through this book together, we, um, we basically sat down and, and we kind of talked through, okay, what would an FBC rule of life look like? Um, if you're a college student in Waco um, with the reality of life as it is, what are the practices that we would want to recommend or prescribe kind of like a doctor um, in order to help people grow into he- the healthiest version of themselves that God would want, want them to be. And um, I kind of developed three categories. Um, one of them is belong and community. And so this, uh, this acknowledges that we're, we're a church and that this is, uh, and, and that part of the practices we need to have on our, our rule of life need to involve belonging to a church and what it looks like to, to be a healthy uh, participant within a local body. I think there's a lot of imagination that needs help these days about how to belong to a church, especially among our generation. And so um, we have three practices for that. Then we have pursue a daily faith. These are kind of the more basic things that we may think of right away, like what are some basic spiritual habits or disciplines that 
that uh, that we need uh, to grow us in our faith. And then the last thing is join God in His mission, and it's the idea that uh, that we don't want to just be being formed; that we want that formation to spill over, so that we're now um, being launched into the world as God's ambassadors, and we're able to uh, to let that impact and affect the life of others as well. So these became the three categories that we we uh, jumped off of: belong a community, pursue a daily faith, and join God in His mission. Yeah. And I like the like the image you gave. This is like a uh, a doctor giving a prescription, but this is kind of like like your tough love doctor, the doctor that says, "Okay, you want to be healthy, go run three miles every day." Like these right. are habits that you need to be consistent. That would need to be consistent in, um, like one of the things that Aristotle mentions in the Compendium Ethics is uh, one sunny day does not make a spring. So just doing one of these things one time would be great, but it doesn't. It's not like a permanent formation. They need to be consistent and applied. That's really good. And I, I think the other thing I love about it too, the doctor in metaphor is that, um, you know, doctors aren't here to shame us, you know, like right, if absolutely. you go up for a check-in and, and it's like, you know, Hey, have you been exercising? And you're like, no. And they're like, well, you know, that's not ideal, but it's kind of like your loss. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's, it's your body and your life at the end of the day. You know, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, that's honestly what a good doctor would say. And so I think that uh, it's that same kind of thing here, too, is like we're prescribing something. And if, if, if for those that don't do it, it's not like we're ready to guilt and shame you about that. It's just like it's, hey, you're lost. Like this is this is a good and beautiful life that we think we're prescribing. And um, and we may not be able to take on all, but that's OK. Mm-hmm. But uh, but as much as we can, we're going to be better for it at the end. Okay, well, um, let's go through these nine things just briefly, uh, if we could, and talk about what they are and, uh, and just give a little bit of uh, description of what we're trying to go for. Clay, would you do that first circle for us? Yeah, absolutely. So in the first category of belong and community, we have befriend one FBC family, um, build up the body, and a meal with others one time a week. Yeah. Yeah, at least. Yeah. So very relational things here in this first circle, um, acknowledging that, you know, being a part of church is being a part of a family. And uh, and so we need to have relationships of other generations of, of peers that are marked by friendship. But also building up the body is about not just taking from church, but contributing, uh, being a part of uh, using our gifts to make make it a, a place where everyone thrives. So, um, yeah, that's what we we think it's about to uh, belong in a church. Next circle. Mm-hmm. So we've got under pursue a daily faith, meet with God daily, uh, take a Sabbath weekly, and control screen time. Um, give like X number of hours a week. Y'all can right. That and you can kind of hear like, you know, measurability again is important. Mm-hmm. We're trying to create like, did I do this or not sort of, you know, thing, even when the screen time may be flexible, you know, X hours, you know. Right. And so um, these are habits. These are kind of core habits of growing your faith. Uh, are we meeting with God daily? Are we resting? Are we uh, controlling our screen time so it doesn't control us? You know, again, these are kind of cornerstone things to, to formation. In the last circle. Absolutely. Join God in his mission. We have form unlikely friendships, move toward pain. It's a fun one. And talk about transformation. Yeah, I like to think of these as things that Jesus did if you read the Gospels. <laughs> this is basically all he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's forming unlikely friendships, he's moving towards pain, and he's talking about transformation, how the kingdom of God is coming and God's going to make all things new. And so 
we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk about those and how we can be involved in those as practices as well. Now, notice that those are not measurable as much. Um, I think that when it comes to things around mission, it can become dangerous to prescribe like a frequency because mm-hmm. then it really does start to become pretty legalistic. You know, like yeah. you need to talk to this many people. You know, <laughs> it's unhealthy. You know, and so I think the idea is that in the first two circles, if we're being formed by our church community and through these daily practices. Um, then we are going to become kind of people, the kind of people whom this last circle things happen naturally, that we're um, going to, over through the overflow of our life, talk about transformation, move towards pain, form unlikely friendships. And so we would hope that this third circle will be the fruit of the first two circles in our lives. Um, and so that's our, our rule of life. Yeah. And yeah, and I love in the join God and his mission that it's not necessarily as quantitative as the other things, because at the end of the day, mission work is strictly speaking, it's relational. You're going out and doing God's work among people. And then when you're trying to put quantities and quota on relationships, you're not really, you're not really serving people. You're, you're getting all right wrapped up in legalism. So I think that's, that's one of the helpful things about that. They can become pieces on the chessboard or Mm -hmm. notches like on your badge of like what you did, you know, to be a better Christian. I want 27 converts today. Right. Christian right. Boy Scout sash. Absolutely. Wow. And that's not good for anybody. No. So. <laughs> Sorry, Boy Scouts. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to be back next week and each week throughout the semester with another discussion episode. We're going to be digging into this role of life that we just described. We'll take one week per each of the nine practices. So you can look forward to nine more upcoming episodes. And we look forward to bringing in some friends and having some more discussions. And so if you found this episode helpful, uh, please share it with a friend. Uh, give us a rating or review and help us get the word out about the Light Bulb Factory. And we'll be back uh, soon with talking about the rule of life and how we can be more deeply formed into the way of Christ. Can't wait to see you all again next week. Adios. Adios.